the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr.comer on weei.com. My last off day podcast. We'll get to that later on, but we decided to have a, a big send off with our favorite guest, Paul Perlo, Mike Giardi. Join us. Uh, we can go anywhere to start. A lot of Patriot stuff happening. Uh, Andy, where do you want to start? What's on your list? Favorite guests or only guests? I was just going to <laughs> throw that in there, but uh, <laughs> not sure. A little hurtful, Mike. I was actually kind of impressed that they called us their favorites. I know. Yeah, there's who are. Didn't realize I mean, we were the only ones. No, we've yeah. had others. Well, to be fair, you're <laughs> the only ones we've asked. No one's turned us down. We just didn't ask any. We don't really like other people. So we I, do. You, sh- you should be happy about it. I can um, be in tune with that emotion. Okay. I think the first thing we need to talk about, I don't want to go with the low-hanging fruit of Tom Brady's retirement. I'd rather go with the low-hanging fruit of Joe Judge. What the <laughs> F question mark? <laughs> I just right up front, I just want to get your opinion because uh, yeah, we're talking about this in here a little bit. Is anybody at all concerned about the lack of coordinator titles on, on both sides of the ball? Does this bother anybody if that's the way it is? Uh, it wouldn't bother me if I had more faith in the uh, people involved or the process. I'm not as big on the... Um, I think your boy Bedard and Curran were big on like, oh, nobody knows who to look to and voices in the room and blah, blah. No, I don't care. I think that's a problem on defense. But it's been the same thing for three years. And it's been the same. It's been successful with a bad defense for three years. Billy O'Brien, Josh did it on offense. Matt Patricia did it on defense successfully. So is it a title floor is too. Is it a title problem or is it a the people involved problem. Like I think it's a who's in charge problem. I don't think, I don't think when Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator, but not in name, he was the only guy in charge. There's two guys in defense. I think on defense, that whole, whether or not there is a one singular message, I think is a problem on defense. I think it's just a problem in general. You know, why don't we just eliminate the head coach? Why don't we just call him, you know, coaching assistant or coach? Of some sort, you know. Coach one, coach two, coach three. I know. This is, titles are great. <laughs> titles are great. Nothing wrong with them. But he's the head coach. Yes. But no one under him can have a, a, a title. Well, he's the head coach. He's the executive of the year. And he's the highest paid man in sports. <laughs> what would he be complaining about? <laughs> Thank you for articulating my point, Andy Hart. <laughs> I, th- um, I, I think it's – I'm concerned about it from an offensive perspective, if only because – You've made the pivot to a rookie quarterback who you believe is your future or has the potential to be your future franchise quarterback and had, you know, a pretty good rookie season. There were some good signs there, certainly. And I I want him to be able to look to someone, not the quarterback coach, not the running backs coach, not the offensive assistant, whatever the hell that means for Joe Judge. I want him to be, that's the guy. That's the guy that I'm spending time with. That's the guy that that is going to know me inside and out. I'm going to know him inside and out. We're going to be able to break things down. We're going to be able to, I'm going to be able to tell him, not Bill, not this guy. So he can tell the other guy, I don't like this play, or I think we should do this. And like, if they, if they define the rules behind the scenes, that's important. But I still think that there should be, someone needs that title. Someone needs to know who to look to in that regard. And on the defensive side, I would agree. I think there is a little bit of a, he wants us to play one way 
he wants Disconnect. us to play another. So what are what are we doing? You know, how, how who am I supposed to? Why did who am I supposed to side with? Why did nobody bring this up for the last three years? Why why do you think no one's brought it up? Because it was successful. I don't think mm. it's been successful. Their their defense. You is think this, this this so I the mean, last the last time it was you, successful was when Brian Flores was the head was the correct. de facto DC. The why, defense fell apart in nineteen. It was bad in twenty, and it fell apart in twenty one. But they've been doing the same thing for three years. Why all of a sudden are we saying there's too many voices? There's too many voices. What? Because I think when you do the same thing three years in a row and it doesn't work three years in a row, you you need to look at it and find out why it's not working. I know you can look at the stats and say, what was it? They they were two or three and. Point yeah. two in points allowed. Correct. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that one in points allowed was Buffalo. What did Buffalo and you have in common? The same crappy schedule. <laughs> you beat up on a bunch of bad offenses. But when they played good offenses, they were powerless. They couldn't stop them. And I think Buffalo was largely similar. I don't think they could stop good offenses either. Um, I, I think that what Mike said, and he would probably have more interaction with some people talking about this. I think there's issues with, the message and where it comes from and whose message is the one that's overriding. I think when Steve Belichick says something and Gerard Mayo says something, if it's not the same, there's a problem. And I think the guy breaking down practice after, you know, a Wednesday or a Thursday practice or the guy leading the meetings when they're putting the, you know, the, um, like, like I've heard one thing I've heard about Steve Belichick is he doesn't like to be the guy implementing it at the team meeting when they're sort of installing the game plan. Because he doesn't command a room. He's not comfortable in that environment. That's Isn't that kind of part of the job? Yes. yes. Like be a leader of men? I think it's a massive. I think it's a massive part of the job. So if so, you can't do it, you can't be the coordinator. I, I would agree a thousand percent because, and it's not just in front of the, like, think about when you coach any sport. If you're coaching five-year-olds in lacrosse, you call the team together at the end of the practice and you stand in the middle of them and you have to talk to all of them. Now, I know obviously it's a bit more pressure, but that's literally a significant aspect of coaching at all levels in all sports is leading the room. And if, if he can't do that, then you know what that's called? That right in there, that's the nepotism problem. It's not that he got the job. I'm not as big on the whole, there's 111 coaches in the NFL that are related to other coaches. Okay, I think that works in a lot of businesses and, and all those things, but- sure. If he's in a role where somebody else would say, well, no, no, no. If you, if you can't stand in front of the room, you can't do the job. I need somebody that can do all aspects of the job. Now, if we're bending over back, Hey Mayo, why don't you lead the room? But then Steve will call the plays. Would he do that for somebody else? Or is he doing that? Cause it's his son. I think it's cause it's his son. Now this is a, the, the way you said that Paul, like I've heard rumblings of that, but the fact that if Steve flat out can't lead a room, then he can't do the job. Go back to coaching a position and you lead a little room with like five people in it and we're all friends and we can have coffee and donuts and hang out. No, no, I was no, just going to say that this is from people that I talked to that would have a pretty good idea. I think they all believe that Steven's a good coach, but there's that element. Okay, you're a good coach. There's plenty of good coaches in the National Football League. There's tons of them that don't end up being coordinators and don't end up ascending to that spot. It, it, and it's, it's okay to be a really good cornerbacks coach or a linebackers coach or a defensive yeah. line coach. Um, and so that, that is, to me, like, is, is he capable of taking that next step? Has anybody seen growth in that area internally right. where they say, like, look, he just needs a couple more years doing this and he will be able to stand up there and when he speaks, everybody will be 
you know, at the edge of their seat, listening to what he has to say. I, he, I don't know he that could. he could grow into it. And, and maybe he grows into it after his father's shadow is not there. You know, um, that might be part of it, too. But and, and I have heard, you know, Andy, you said, you know, the way I, I heard uh, Mike's buddy, Tom Curran, on, on, on EEI earlier today, actually talking about this situation. He brought up the fact that they, they, had, they had approached it and, and maybe wanted to name co-coordinators. And then they sort of backed off of that because they, the way that Tom said it, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he felt like one of them was far more responsible for everything than the other. Now, he didn't say which one was which. So in other words, they weren't really on board with that. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I do know that there were enough indications. There were enough comments from guys like McCourty last year that led me to believe there was uh, a disconnect between the message and the actual application of the message on the field. Right. And just to further that point, you made, there was certainly reporting. I want to say Crapsheet and some others have said Mayo has the more significant coaching role. Steve calls the plays. Mayo has a significant impact on the defense. I know Crapsheet's been big on de facto defensive coordinator Gerard Mayo when he says he's taking interviews, that whole thing. I just, it certainly is less than ideal. And as far as it getting easier, is it going to get easier when the safety's not his college buddy that he's coached for 10 years or the linebacker's not the guy he's hung around with for 10 years? Like, is it going to get any easier when he's standing in front of a room full of Matthew Judons, people who have no connection to him, people who have not seen his six people who just say, Oh, I bet you got your job because your dad gave it to you. Like incoming, you know, guys that have no, no right. uh, allegiance to him. So I would question that. But I'm more fixated on because the judge. Defense, <laughs> yeah, I do find the defense fascinating because, like, in the course of the last three years, they've printed T-shirts, fell apart, been pretty good, been one of the best in the NFL, number two in scoring, sucked, fell on their face, didn't make teams punt. Like, there's like this whole. And I think both sides, if you're passionate that they're good, you can find stats, you can find games, you can find plays. And if you're passionate that they suck, you can find that. And so the truth probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, I'm more interested in Joe Judge. I, I Well, because the problem, the problem with the offensive side is there's no names there where you're defining roles. You have Joe Judge, Mick Lombardi, Nick Cayley. Like you feel there's you no have no one, you have no one who's called plays. Right. At the NFL level. that That's what worries me, because I don't think calling plays is easy. I mean, the, the play itself, like the individual play might be a little overrated, but the, the flow of calling plays I don't think is easy. So, Mike, can I follow up on that, Mike? You yeah, said sure. at the NFL level. Have any of them called plays? It's a good point. No, you, yeah. On the planet Earth? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe there's some flag football have. games. I mean, yeah. like me, back-to-back flag football Super Bowl champions, I can yes, call a game. I'm proven. I got medals to prove it. Uh, Joe judge. I go back and look, don't shake your head, Paul. Don't shake your effing head at me. I took a Mecca Okafer and I do it again. Um, <laughs> that like Joe judge is a defensive coach and a special teams coach. Like that's his, I'd feel better if he were Billy O and he, you know, called well, Joe judge did coach wide receivers. Don't forget yeah. because Chad O'Shea left and they had nobody. He broke, he broke Nikhil Harry. in. I mean, he got off to a wonderful start. You might not in. He broke Nikhil Harry. <laughs> He's never had an impact at the NFL I, level. Well, but, I yeah. think he might have been broken before he got here. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I was, I was. That was a snarky Paul. At least Joe Judge's name. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Nikhil Harry on Joe Judge or any not, other coach. 
can we uh, get rid of like Bill O'Brien's name? Is he no longer in the in, in the mix? Let's go question. to our national like, analyst, NFL Network, Mike Giardi. What, like, what are you hearing, Mike? What are you hearing from Tuscaloosa? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think there was interest from here to there. I don't know if there's interest from Bill to come back up here. And look, I think we all know, and it's been reported, I don't know whether loosely or with books or wherever, that maybe Bill O'Brien was sort of the next guy. Well, I don't remember where it came from because you hear all these yeah, little things. No, I, think that was, I think you're right. It was a Wickersham. Was a Wickersham? Yeah, yeah, that Bill O'Brien might have been the next guy. He thought he, he, thought he, was, he, he could be next in line. Well, and, he, see, and he was supposedly trying to get fired from Houston. I, I, yeah, right. I think that there is a, um, a growing belief around the league that Bill's going to be around a lot longer than you think. So if you were thinking Bill's 69 going on 70, he's got, what, two years, maybe three. I think he's got more than that. Or I think that's the plan. I, I was going to say. I got into a fight with Curran on TV because Curran's clearly heard this. And he's like, I think Belichick has a five-year plan. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 70-year-olds having five-year plans mm -hmm. is, is overly optimistic in my I'll opinion. take the under. Me, he could be under the ground in five years. Never mind. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah, 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 well, what? Dude, come on now. What do we got to go there for? He's you 70. See what I had to work with for all those years? 20 years of this kind of morbid now, negativity. Hey. Why don't you go do a quick Google and tell me what the life expectancy for the average American male is. And then also add in, how about the average American male who works in a high stress industry, who doesn't sleep and is working year round? Betcha it's not much more than 72. Can we add in multimillionaire with all, all any of the uh, amenities needed to, you know, fulfill a long life? Money you don't know, buy like, life. Like a nice boat and time on Nantucket and... <laughs> He works you know, like 380 days a year. Hmm. Does he? Does he? Oh, Mike, Ooh. stop Stop choosing your shit. What, you, what are you hearing? No, you think dude, you were lucky. He, he, he took time off at the end of the season. He disappeared for a while. You know, we, we, we all remember famously a couple of years ago, the pictures of the first day of free agency, and he's down in Barbados. I Barbados, mean, like, Bill, my old radio partner, used to call him. Yeah, it's a... It's out. a yeah, well, that was unfortunate. That was, really that, was a unfortunate. that was a Felgerism that still makes me laugh. Um, yeah, so, like, I think he has delegated more. I think so, that's obvious. Yeah, yeah and that's, maybe that's why they're coming off the season that, in my opinion, was the worst coached of the Belichick era by far, not even close. I don't know why Paul Perillo's making faces. This year, worst ever? Um. They couldn't figure out how many guys to get on the field for the first month of the season. They couldn't stop your mother from driving down the field on opening drives of the first quarter or third quarter. They couldn't stay on sides on key special teams plays. They couldn't block anybody on punts. Uh, tell me when you want me. They couldn't make any adjustments offensively. Like Yeah, yeah but they, want, they made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, Andy. That tells you how much the rest of the league stinks. Uh, I think you're forgetting some other years. You know, like Probably. the last six you know games me. of the 15 season, for example. Ooh. Want me to refresh your memory? But the Chris the Harper season? Harper's muff game, you know, Harper Har Harper's <laughs> muff. Yeah, that was that was that game. Talk about his girlfriend that way. Then there was kicking off in overtime against the Jets. It was a solid Nate Ebner mortar You're kick against the one Eagles. Off. All one off. culminating with the corpse of Stephen Jackson game, and Boy. all of that added up to having to be on the road in the AFC Championship game in Denver in a game that you probably would have won had you played it in Foxborough. But Paul, when they make um, the same mistakes in September that
that they make in December. And I have to listen to people in September say uncharacteristic of a Belichick team. And then four months later, hear him say uncharacteristic of a Belichick team. Well, no, seems like they're characteristic of this Belichick team. Yes. I stand by worst coach defense, worst coach team that they've ever had offense, defense, special teams. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Anti-complimentary football. Yeah. I think it's a little strong because I think offensively they were, they were shut up. Let me finish. Special teams is a disaster. And so on that front, hey, welcome back, Joe. You're going to be involved in that one way or the other. But he's an offensive assistant. An offensive assistant. All right, but he's still going to be involved in that one way or the other. Was that so. just because he's Bill's friends with Cam Acord didn't want to, like, embarrass him? I mean, some of the things that happen, though, and this is where I – where sometimes I draw the line between coaching and the players – some of the stuff that happened was just awful plays, stupid plays. And I don't, you, if you're Cam McCord and you say, Hey, was it Jakob Johnson who didn't block down and allowed the free rusher on the, on the, on the punt team to get the pump block. Like we've coached that since the day you walked in the door, since the day you slid into that position and you've done it in this manner over and over and over again, they didn't run any funny games there. And he just, what? He, his brain shorted out. Like, I think there's, there's parts of what happened last year that speak to, again, they improved the talent on their football team, but they still got a ways to go to be where they need to be, where they're consistently giving good teams, not just a run for their money, but, but actually can win those games. Okay. I, don't, I, I can't believe I'm the one saying this, but let's get back on track. Who's calling plays offensively? Yeah. It's an awesome I mean, question. They, they, I think it will end up being Joe Judge. You know, back to Ryan's talking about. You say Joe Judge? Yeah. I think it's going to be Joe Judge. I think he's going to be the de facto offensive coordinator. You know, back to Ryan's point about Bill O'Brien. I I found Nick Saban's comments about a week ago really eye-opening. I think that was sort of, you know, I hear all this stuff about Bill O'Brien. No one's asked me about Bill O'Brien. And he works for me. And I know this is kind of, this is going to sound like a silly thing to say. But Bill O'Brien is from here. He's from the noise from my area. He's from the North Shore, St. John's prep guy. That's the draw to get him back here, is if he wants his family back here and he wants to be back here where he's from. Otherwise, is, you know, is it a better path back to where he wants to get by coaching a second-year quarterback? Or is it staying in Alabama with the Heisman Trophy winner and lighting it up again the money's probably going to be about the same. He's making over a million in Alabama. Right. So I I don't, I'm, I don't know how much Josh was making at the end, but they're not going to just bring Bill O'Brien and give him whatever Josh was making at the end. You know, that's not the way that they do things. Right. So aside from this is where he's from. And I get that. If he, if he took the job for that reason, that would make a lot of sense, but I'm not sure that he just preferred the NFL over college. That that's a reason too, but I, I I don't really know. Like I find it hard to believe that the only job he could get last year was Alabama's offensive coordinator. Well, I, you said something about like getting back to where he wants to get to. Uh, maybe I'm not I, like be a head we, coach. No, no, no. But do we know whether he wants to be a head? He's been a head coach in college, and he's been a head coach in the NFL. Do we know? No, nope. that could be a. a a part of yeah, the I'm just debate. saying be a head coach, Andy. Yeah. I mean, either, either way, but I mean, if you're at Alabama, the offensive coordinator, you're well on your way to being a head coach somewhere. Like that's my point. So that's, that, that's my point. I don't think but, he's got a, a, a harder yeah, road to hoe yeah. if he stays at Alabama than he does by coming to the Patriots. Exactly. He comes to the Patriots and 
you know, they still don't have uh, enough wide receiver and a couple of the offensive linemen leave or get traded or somebody gets hurt, Mac regresses a little bit or stays still, then you're nine and eight, you're eight and nine. Is your stock well, like Andy, through the roof? Like Andy said, maybe the rest of the league doesn't stink next year. What if Aaron Rodgers goes to the AFC and you add another team into, into the mix? Um, you know, what if Baltimore doesn't suffer 95 injuries next year and they're back to the way the Ravens were at the beginning of the year at yep. eight and three? You know, there's, there's a chance that you could be fine in your development, but other teams could be better than you. There's a lot of different things that could happen. So if, if Joe Judge calls the place, then what, what's the point of having Nick Haley and Mick Lombardi on staff? Well, you need position coaches, right? Well, I, I get that. If you're, if you're them, you're, these guys, like Kaylee, has been here for seven years. You're going to bring Joe Judge, who Nick Kaylee can make a case he has more experience in offense than Joe Judge, and all of a sudden you're going to have him call the place? Not going to be psyched. No. No, but – I mean, it, I mean it, inter- internally – Do you feel better about Nick Kaylee calling plays than Joe Judge? Yes. See, I feel the same. <laughs> I, I think saw, I would. I, I, I saw Joe Judge in New York. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So haven't feel, we? Been I feel the same, and, and it's not good. Haven't we been told forever <laughs> that the tight end position is the most important position? Player, coach, you're involved in the running game. You're involved in the passing game. You deal like all of this stuff. And Ryan's right. I'm sure his numbers right. He's been here seven years. Like either he is developing into a good offensive mind because he's been around that Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, Mac Jones for seven years, knowing everything that goes into the offense every week, or maybe what's the point of having him? Maybe you've peaked. Maybe like there's a different role for you somewhere else, but Joe judge. And like, I've, I even threw out there the Patricia idea that everybody got all hot and bothered for, but at least Patricia has thought about the play call in an NFL game from the opposite perspective. What's the offense doing here? What am I going to do to counteract the offense? Joe judge stands around till it gets to third down and then gets 11 guys to stand in a box and get ready to jog on the field. Like, why do we presume that Joe judge is ready to call plays, which you yourself, Paul said, like, I don't, I don't feel great about it, but I don't, I I don't feel great about Nick Cayley doing it either. What about, uh, what about, and I certainly don't feel good about Mick Lombardi would be third on that list. What about Bill Belichick? That would worry me not because of what it would do to the offense, but that would worry me for the, the entire operation. Well, then, and I saw but, enough times last year where Bill was back turned to the field with the defense. You know, to me, the line of demarcation was third and 25 against Dallas. From that point on, it looked to me like Belichick took over the defense. Um, I think he said to himself, you know, probably in some pretty colorful language, I'm not letting these MFers do this to me anymore. Did well, he give it back to the MFers late in the year? Well, right. you, you, don't, you, you know, you've heard, you've heard these stories. I'm sure you get the same emails that I do, Andy. At the bye, he gave it back to them. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. so he's painted himself in the perfect. When he we was 7 and 0 as defensive right. coordinator yeah. last year. And then when the good teams, oh, oh, Dak's killing you. I'm taking over. Oh, the Bills are coming. Good luck, boys. <laughs> like, yeah. how is this, like, I don't know. But, I am. See, this is, but see, this is why, and I know the name makes people cringe. And I think he would need to be vetted properly because I think there's some question about his, there's been some question about his level of commitment would be Adam Gase. And Adam Gase, if you look at his OC numbers without Peyton Manning, not very good, but call the game. Other people have spoken well of him as a play caller, play designer. Bill Belichick included. Yes. And maybe in this system 
with a little bit more of a regimentation, if you will, and a little bit more eyes on him, that it would work better. I, I, again, I would feel He's more comfortable with some of these. I, I would feel, I would feel much better having someone who's called. Yes, Kane. I would love yeah. Adam Gase. Yeah. I never thought I'd say this. I yeah. would take Adam Gase seven days a week and twice on the game day for, over Joe Judge because I, I would agree with that. I would take Adam Gase over Joe Judge. Like, now, I wanted Bill O'Brien, but if, if he's not the guy, right. I would take Adam Gase. Yeah, I mean, B- B- Bill's clearly the uh, O'Brien's clearly. If you if you yeah. made a wish list, he's one, two, three, four. He's he's everything on that list. Everybody else is a distant second. It's been a few years, Andy, since we got the Bill O'Brien hug and in the chastising. I don't know how you two do it, but you do it. <laughs> It's true. I told that story on the radio the other day, too. Um, like, at least Gase has called a game, and he would have Bill looking over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, I would feel more comfortable, as you said, Paul, depending on where Bill's focus is, I'd rather he be looking over the shoulder of Gase and looking over the shoulder of Gerard Mayo and company yes. than Joe Judge, to me, doesn't feel like look over the shoulder. It feels like hold Cold his hands. Like, that, to me, Belichick's – one of Belichick's strongest assets as the head coach, to me, is when I watch him – in the game, the game operation, he is, he is fully invested. Like he is in charge of the entire operation. And there's so many guys that when the defense is on, you know, we, we hear, you know, we always make fun of the guys with the play sheet and everything. I mean, how embarrassing was it to watch green Bay get knocked out of the playoffs with their head coach imploring the defense to make noise. Like that's the best you can do as a head coach. You don't have anything, Andy. You know, you might want to scrape to see here. You know, get the linebacker <laughs> out on the end. I mean, you don't have anything hey, to offer other than how, let's how, see if we can get the Lambo crowd Paul, into the game. Paul, how dare you insult Matt LaFleur, according to PFF, is the best coach in the league this last year. What do you think their record would be if Mike Giardi was the coach with Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback? 14 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> Two oh, deep. Come on. We would be absolute wagon. And the Adam Gase thing too is, and I know it's not, it's, it was a while ago, but he does have some connection to the system. You know, he was with Saban, you know, mm-hmm. way back when at Michigan state. And then uh, the first year at LSU. And then he even was the wide receivers coach, I think yeah. with Josh, right. In Denver. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Oh, nine. I believe so. Oh, nine, 10. I think he was, I think he was on that staff as a position coach on offense. I'm not telling you that the offense is exactly the same today as it was in 2009, but it's the same system. Right. And, and I, I think that the transition period wouldn't be huge. But from a long-term perspective, like you said about the commitment, what if Adam Gase has a good year? Mac Jones has a good year. Wouldn't Gase get head coaching opportunities and could bolt? And then you have Mac Jones. So I don't think Gase is ever getting another. Yeah. Head I think it's over for Gase. But I don't but even that, care. But that would be a, a concern. See, it wouldn't concern me at all. You know what my concern is? Joe Judge doesn't get other opportunities, and he's your offensive coordinator for an extended period. You're stuck with him. No, I don't. I want the best guy. Yes, it's not Joe. I want for, the best guy. It would be a concern 20... to me. Bill O'Brien, he can't. He comes here and they do well, and then he gets a job, and now it's three offensive coordinators in three years for Mac Jones. I don't think that's ideal. Let me ask you guys a question: If you were building a house, and the guy finishes the rough framing, and he and you go, "Hey, you know an electrician?" He goes. No, but you want me to just do it? I mean, I've never done it before, but it's just wires. You, you, you run them through the house. You connect a few of them. Would you be okay with that? No, you wouldn't. So, so why would you let him call play? I think I did that with my basement remodeling. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. Let's go. And that's why when you turn one switch on, you're like, did anything go on? Did something go on somewhere? Exactly. You have no idea what's going on. It's, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. On one level, 
I look at Gase as a good candidate because the one thing that I keep is if Saban likes him and Bill likes him, well, I mean, they are the two greatest football minds of maybe ever in college and pro football. But Bill's it, Bill feels the same way about Judge. Like, so I trust Bill to give a letter of recommendation to Adam Gase. I don't trust him to give me a letter of recommendation for Joe Judge. I also, Paul, maybe I'm, t- you don't have to answer this since you're now a coworker of Joe Judge. Um, his arrogance. Joe, and- how you doing? <laughs> Just finishing up a podcast. I don't think his arrogance and his attitude are going to be good. I don't. What? I agree. From an offensive people that don't know him? I I had a conversation with somebody in the organization yesterday about this, Andy. I'm sure you don't have to think very hard to know who I'm talking about. It was, one, it was one bad press conference. It was, it was what it was. You're going to kill him for about 11 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, to call that one bad press conference, is doing a disservice to all bad press yeah, which, conferences. Which, which bad press conference? He had, he had a few. Oh, there, the one about the clown organizations that right. are getting in fights, and all of the players are calling me, uh, t- telling me they wish they still played for me. Not great. That one. Nope. That one was just an absolute master class on how not to conduct a press conference. That was everything you don't want to do as an NFL head coach. Right. And, and, and here he is. He's our new offensive coordinator. And, well, no, he's your offensive assistant, so he'll only have to talk to the media once every month. Tuesday. Beautiful. No, <laughs> he can get bragged away with not talking at all. We never heard from Patricia. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know Special who our assistant to the president is going to be. Like, if, if we look down every week and he's calling the plays, he's going to have to talk to the media at least. Rotate with Kaylee and Lombardi and yeah. whoever. I, I'm just looking up Patricia. What is Patricia officially listed as? Yeah, Patricia is listed as a senior football advisor. Yeah, he doesn't have to talk. Joe Judge is a coach. Joe Judge is going to have to talk. Yeah, I think he's going to rotate with like the five guys. Which you only get him once every six weeks. You'll get him once once a month. Yeah, once every six weeks. It's every two weeks for coaches. So if you rotate him with Kaylee and Lombardi, then he's once every six weeks. You're not going to get him very often. And I just, because the questions are going to come. Right. That people are going to realize unless they go the college football route and have like three guys with headsets and play sheets and you don't know who's talking. And, and if they do that, then. But that was it. the case on defense for a while. Yeah, they did that for that first year with Belichick and Mayo. Did, we thought Mayo was the, for a while, we thought Mayo was the guy calling the plays. And then you're like, wait a minute. I think oh, it's then, Steve. Then Bill went out of his way to tell us what a great call Steve made after every game that they won for about three weeks there and <laughs> everybody <laughs> off the scent. Before we move on to to the next topic, who give each give your prediction? Can I, can I say one thing though, quickly before we do that? Where are we go in here. <laughs> yeah, go. This was agenda free. Yeah, it's a, that's Jesus. what I was told. That's too, how we Mike. started. That's how we started this what damn topics? thing. Just yeah. Why don't you pay attention to the ho- the host of this program, the the Honorable Ryan Hannibal? Yeah. Um, I'm okay. I am okay. You're muted. Getting Joe Judge back on the staff. I actually, I'm. I like the idea of having him back here. I do. I'm going to say that because there's I'm not, experience I'm not there. With it. I'm not going to lie. No. Well, I, I don't love him as an offensive play caller. That concerns me. That will really concern me if he is, in fact, becomes the de facto OC, which I think we kind of feel like it's headed in that direction. But I think experience, more experience on that staff, someone who's lived through two years in New York as a head coach, even though it went not very well at the end there, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I know people want to ding Bill for bringing guys on or getting paid by somebody else. It's a way to keep the, the checks and balance. I don't care. I don't care. 
because the the guy has coached at a high level, and like that's one more brain in the room. Well, to that, to that point, can we get rid one of one more brain in the room? Can we get rid of the the uh, theme lately that they're inexperienced coaching staff and there's a brain drain? You have Belichick plus two guys who have had head coaching experience, including Patricia, and then another guy in Mayo who's getting interviews the last two seasons. So they're probably the most experienced staff in, in a league from that perspective, right? Yeah, but losing McDaniel's is an absolute soul crusher. I, I agree, but you're talking the rest of the league don't have it. That. Is it is like I don't. I, I Mike, now I, you're a Raiders insider, Mike. What is the problem? <laughs> but, the phone still works. Don't worry, buddy. No, I, I like. I, I I didn't get the pushback on him. I never really got the pushback on him. Is he perfect? No, no play caller is. Sean McVay was a genius. And then what happened in the Super Bowl? He looked like a complete moron. You have your moments where you get out coached because the other guy, especially as the stakes get higher, the other guy's usually pretty good too. I just think he's a really good coach. I, uh, this isn't about Josh. I, I'm a big Josh. No, I know. I'm just saying like that's a – when you say like brain drain, like that's a massive part. That's, that's a part of the room where we talk about Bill can have his head over this guy's shoulder and that guy's shoulder. Bill didn't really have to put his head over that guy's shoulder very often. And that's part of my concern with the whole thing. But Ryan, I saw your text yesterday about that, the, you know, the head coaches and you're right, but I think it's one of those things on paper. It's, you know, we just spent the better part of 45 minutes sort of worried about the offensive situation, even after adding Joe judge. So yes, they add on paper, they added a head coach who was a head coach for two years, but I don't think anybody feels great about him stepping in on offense. Mike probably feels the best about it of the four of us. But I don't think anybody thinks it's anywhere near what they lost with Josh McDaniels. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, Let's not not twist my words. I'm happy he's on the staff because I think there is some experience there that can be drawn on. But I don't, as an offensive coordinator, I'm I'm good. Bring in, bring in, give me me Adam Gase. The Patriots to other teams in the league, don't they have more experience on their staff than probably two-thirds of the league? Um, Well, I I don't know. Like, I I don't know what the experience level of all the coaches around the league are, but – who would have known half of these guys that have come off the Sean McVay tree that Andy was talking about earlier in the show? I mean, yeah, I, I didn't Zach know. Zach Taylor who, wasn't, didn't seem to be in high demand, nor did I didn't LeFleur. know who half of these guys were, you know, and all of a sudden Brandon Staley, you know, he's controversial with all his analytics and stuff, but he looks like he has an idea of how to coach and, and, you know, they weren't experienced. I mean, Sean McVay is still like 36. So, so he's right there would be my argument for Nick Cayley. Like, so has yeah. Bill seen something that Nick Cayley stinks? Like, has he decided, Nick Cayley, you are who you are. You're a tight ends coach, nothing more. And as Giardi said, there's plenty of guys. You know, Paul, the I think the greatest assistant coach in the history of the world, Dante Scarnecchia. Yeah. Was an assistant coach, was a position coach. And I think there's <laughs> your guy, Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael. He's always lived in Sean Payton's shadow. I think he was technically the coordinator, but. Yeah, my, my guess is he's, he's going to stay there and, and do that in New Orleans now with, with Dennis Allen getting that job. But, yeah, he's a guy I would have, I would have advocated for. Another local guy, you know, also, you know, happened to be a teammate of mine. So, yeah, another plus in his column. All right, let's move on. What do you want to do? What are you, Brian Gumble? Moving on. Yeah, yes. You got to turn. You want Brady? Moving on. Uh, do we have do to Do I talk? want Brady? No. Like, like for the Patriots? No, to talk about. It. I mean, I, I don't. Oh. I think we we all have us four probably have the same opinion. We're not going to. Okay, real real quick. Can I assume that we all think um, you know him leaving the door open had some significance? Yes. Do, yes. I mean, yes. 
Yeah. Why would he do that? Because he's a he's a drama queen. Yeah, he is a he is an absolute. I yes, one hundred percent agree with that. He, it's funny for someone who wanted to be one of everybody else and had to do his press conference yeah, in front of his locker for 12. fifteen years. Wait, are you he, saying he's a fraud and a hypocrite? Huh? Damn this. He loves himself some Tom Brady, <laughs> and he loves himself to be in the he he loves being in the spotlight what he's do you mean? A, he, i thought he, he didn't want to take away from the, the the title game yeah he, he, he is relishing play. he is relishing all the attention he knew exactly what he was doing he knew exactly why he did it and he's been laughing his ass off at all of us talking about him nonstop now for whatever it's been 10 12 days because he 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 kind of gets off on this stuff okay so we all agree that there's a there's a chance that he would come back and play yes yeah do you think there's like a specific situation that he wants or that he's open for business if he can get away from Tampa? I believe, I believe that he was not happy with the situation in Tampa, looks at the situation in Tampa now and says, we aren't winning next year because we're not bringing everybody back. And yeah, they'd be I, fine if he came back. I just yeah. don't think he wants to do everything for the team anymore. Exactly. Right. And it's the same coaching staff. Yeah, Bruce was going to retire. Nope. Bruce is staying. Leftwich is going to get. Nope. He's back. I don't want to do this again. So, yeah, I'm done for now. For now. So, but do you think that if, let's say, there's a quarterback on a good team that gets hurt in training camp, is mm-hmm. he open for business for whatever team? Yes. Or do you think there's just like San Francisco? Oh, I think there's one team that he will play for and that's it. San Francisco and Vegas. I think, I think he would go back with Josh. I don't think he hates Josh. I think they have. So I think one of those two teams, I think he could sell G on living in the desert for a couple months. Cause I go back to what Mike said. I think what we've learned over the last three or four years is one of the great competitors of all time. Isn't he doesn't want to at least doesn't want to anymore. He doesn't want to compete. He wants to win. And those aren't the same thing at this point in his career. They weren't the same thing in New England. And I think that was part of it now. So I think if, if I think if Josh or the Niners, the Niners is a weird one because Trey Lance, I don't know. They could, you could be, do one more year. You could give him one more. Handle Shanahan, him and Shanahan. No, no, no. I'm saying I think the Niners could start the year 0 and 5. And it's like, well, is he going to go join the 0 and 5 49ers? Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more like, you know, July rolls around. He's been off for three, four months. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I don't, want, I don't really want to do this. And you start looking around. And then in August, you jump on board. It, you know, I, I, I'm just wondering, Pittsburgh, Indy, you know, if, if Green, you know, if, if any team, like let's say Carson Wentz gets hurt, which is not, you know, mm-hmm. n- not impossible given his history. Let's say he gets hurt in August. Would he, like, if Frank Wright called him and Chris Ballard called him, you think he'd be interested? Or do you think it's just a specific team that he'd be interested in? I think it's a small list. I don't think. I think the list is small, too. And he he I think he'd be a mercenary. I think he'd go if he had an opportunity. If he wants to play, I think he would take any opportunity he got. On the Indianapolis front, they just hired Gus Bradley to be their DC. And he's probably like, man, I carved up Gus Bradley every chance I got. So no, I'm not going to go there because that defense isn't going to hold up and we're not winning a championship with Gus Bradley as my DC. Yeah. I, I think it's a short list. I think it would be a team that's winning. Cause I, I don't think he does it in camp. I think there's more a Roger Clemens thing week four, somebody tears their ACL and they need a quarterback and they got a pretty good team. Like 
I know they suck. Tom Brady is in Stephen Ross's box. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> might be Tom Brady's box by that point. You think you know, they're like on? That. They're on his list. I I put them on the list. Miami. Well, I I don't see why they wouldn't be because they weren't that good. How a did you do the eyeball emoji? Like, <laughs> why he? I think he got lucky. If he really turned down Miami because Flores and there was a thing, he got lucky and he went to the better situation by far for him to win right away. But yeah, I think it. I, I don't know what his short list would be. Giardi, you're the uh, McDaniel's guy. If if the Raiders are good next year and and Carr gets hurt in October, would Brady go to Vegas to finish out the season and go for a Super Bowl run? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I think form speculation. I think I think Josh would pick up the phone. Tommy, you're in shape. You know he's still going to be doing stuff. Like he's still going to be out there having Alex throw pads at him. Like he's done the routine for how long now? Like absolutely. Okay. okay, where would you guys put the percentages of him playing in, in 2022? 49%. I was going to say 46. So wow. You too, Ray? Not that high. 30. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm under 15, but I, I'm, I'm really surprised by you guys. You guys, think, so you guys think this is a 50-50 shot? I thought there was an – A, the family thing has always bothered me. You know that. He uses the family as an excuse. Because he just realized he has a kid that's like 14 years old. Apparently. Yeah, I don't think it's family for him. I think he's finally saying, okay, okay, okay. But I'll, I know you want me to retire. I'm going to retire. It's not, I don't think it's family. I think it's Giselle. I think I said this. Oh, yes. I think if the kids had a vote, they'd say, yeah, keep playing. I kind of like going to games and seeing Gronk and going to parties and well, whatever. Well, they go to games anyway. They're Tom Brady's kids. Yeah, but it's yeah, but there's a whole different experience. Come on. It's not the same He's a QB. Yeah. Come on, it. Come on, Ryan. You're better than that in your last day. And I, all right, leave him alone. I I thought just last (laughs) day, be nice. I also thought, I thought he was, uh, I get annoyed with the Let's Go podcast. It ebbs and flows, whether I think things are genuine and there's an insightfulness or whether he's just being a dink, like, you know, 12 hours before he Instagrams his retirement, he says, I'm still going through the process and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you weren't. You're just lying to everybody, including your boy, Jim Gray, but he doesn't care because he's getting paid. Um, But he made a comment. That's right. And I thought was really enlightening when he said, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but football has been my life and I, it fulfills me. Now I have to find a way for my regular life or my family to fulfill me. Like, I think he's being honest that he's saying, I don't get as much out of hanging out with the kids on the beach as I do from training camp and competing and football. And if that's true, if that fire is in there, then sorry, Giselle, you can't stop that. And when Josh calls on October 27th, you get a chance to lose your husband for another year. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm 100%. I'm definitely that. not closing the door on that. I just think it's probably Any, uh, We want to get into like what the uh, Patriots are be doing from. We have a Patriots employee here. Any insight on that? What are we, what are we doing for the pay, for Tom Brady? Yeah. Tom I Brady. Is it? One day contract. You t- you tell me what Tom Brady is doing for the Patriots. One day contract. I think we did. I think we. I. You know, I don't often publicly stand up for the, for the organization that you I work for. We just then. Did you know that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, because I because I'm part of this. This is something that's we. I'm not. I, I never say we about all the Super Bowls we won. You never heard me say that, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of the content that we provided, I was part of that, and we did a lot of stuff. He did a lot more stuff to honor his retirement than he did to recognize us. Well, it'd be, pretty, it'd be pretty hard to do to match that. 
No, but we had, you know, I, I thought a great. Well, he video. was rushed. And I know a lot of this stuff gets sure. lost because there's so much, there's so much content coming out. What did you say? All he was. He was rushed. Yeah, he was rushed. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that there was a lot of pretty good content that we put out. Um, That's it. There's, you guys didn't know. Well, you know what? I'm until, not. Until I'm not. Changes, I'm not. I'm going yeah. to pander to you right now, but because you deserve it. You guys did an awesome job. I watched and read a ton of that stuff. Some of the social media stuff was fantastic. Like you guys took care of the him. The video, the video was really didn't good. Take Bob, care of you. Bob Doyle had a lot to do with that video. Andy. Um, I'm surprised. You know, Bob and Ryan downstairs uh, you awesome. know, put that together. I, I of course was a quality control uh, consultant on that. So <laughs> I take, no, but I do. I, we put a lot of effort into that. Yeah. We didn't just slap a couple of highlights, in, you know, and call it a day. We put a lot of effort into that. Okay. I just popped into my head. Um, because I truly enjoyed it. And you know, I don't always enjoy these things. I didn't watch the man in the arena because I didn't need Tom Brady telling me how great he is and something that's made by Tom Brady. Um, but rule. I did watch the 30 for 30 tuck rule and actually really enjoyed it. Um, I thought he and Woodson were kind of funny. And, I thought they were great. Um, Woodson, when he got him to say fumble and, and boom, fumble. And Woodson's like, wait, what'd you say? But the thing I found most interesting, and I got a lot of heat from douches on twitter over over this um when he said if we lose that game if that's if that's a fumble i'm not entrenched as the starter going into 2002 i might be the backup and everybody's like yeah but bill said nothing would have changed oh no shit you don't think bill's going to admit that he was going to bench the greatest quarterback in the history of the game over one freaking play and i do believe maybe they still trade drew but it's not as easy to just trade Drew, give Tom a contract, and say he's the starter coming off that as it is coming off a Super Bowl parade. So do you think anything could have, would have changed would Drew hung around a little longer? Oh, that's you. You can't well, even, who's I, I, over your shoulder right now? People can't see it, but who's over your shoulder right now? I know, baby. <laughs> People, you, know, you can't. You cannot see this at all because we're on radio right now. This is a <laughs> podcast, but this is Drew Bledsoe. Yes. Hiding my son. <laughs> and it is literally covering his kid in a Brady jersey. <laughs> That's tremendous. Uh, so here's the thing. I don't think it would have changed anything. But I agree with Andy. It's a ridiculously disingenuous comment from Bill to say nothing would have changed. You know? <laughs> Yes, you're right. Now, now without the 20 years, like nothing. Okay, Bill. However, only the second most disingenuous thing he said during that podcast. And I said this at the time, and I'll continue to say, there is a constant comparison to a play that happened with the Patriots and Vinny Testaverde. And finally, someone actually decided, hey, let's go get the clip of the play that everybody's talking about. And it had nothing. The only thing in common that that play had with the tuck rule was that it took place in an NFL game and involved a quarterback. That's the only two things that those two plays had in common. There was nothing similar about the Vinny Testaverde play in that play. And you know who said that, Fred? Uh, Andy? Fred. Well, and even if, even if it were similar, I forget exactly what Bill says, but he goes, no, as soon as I saw it, I knew it was just like the Vinny Testaverde. I knew we were getting is, the ball back. Which like, is a lie. Like, That's what I said. It's only the second most disingenuous thing. <laughs> like, if you want to say, huh, 
I know there is a tuck rule, and I wonder if they'll call this the tuck rule, and maybe we'll get a break here and get the ball back. That's one thing. But to say, as soon as I saw it, I knew we were getting the ball back. Well, no one else did. Absolutely no one else. You and Walt Coleman. He can tell you that he knew all about the tuck rule. He can't tell you that he thought that that was going to be called the tuck rule. Right. And he can't tell you that he thought that was the same play as Vinny Testaverde. Okay. That was the same thing that happened to us earlier in the season. I would say quickly that – Brady was still going to be the quarterback, even if they'd lost that game. But to your point, it would have been hard. It would have been a more difficult conversation to have with Robert and the football people saying, look, we're going to move on from Drew. Really? Are you, are you, are you 100% sure? But I think Bill was looking for that. I think Bill was looking for that opening before that. So now, if you I, want to get into different things like that, Andy, real quick. Hmm. Now, if it was a fumble and there's a finality to the season, that's a different story. But let's say that they win the game the way they did. Now Drew has to play against Pittsburgh when Tom goes down. Drew started off like a house or fire and then was pretty shaky in the second half. Let's say he finished the game the way he started it and just lit it up and the Patriots rolled over Pittsburgh. Now there might be something where, you know, is it a tougher decision in the Super Bowl? Bill was probably thinking about the pass over his head in the second half and saying, as long as Tom is healthy, I'm going with him because he's not going to lose me the game. Drew right. might lose me the game. Well, because Bill so, only cares when Drew throws passes over his head, not when Tom does it at Miami. Wow. You are just a bitter, bitter little. I am a little because I just, head. anything that doesn't encompass I love him. To- taking the totality <laughs> of everything. I personally think Robert says, no, I think we need to let Drew compete this summer, and then we'll see. If you tell me, at, you know, in August that a thousand percent you're sure that Brady is the guy, we'll deal with it then. We'll trade him then. We'll move on, whatever. I don't know that draft weekend he's gone. Yeah, I think the only thing that would have changed it, though, I'm with Mike on, the, you know, the way that history would have unfolded, is if Drew had played great in that Pittsburgh game and then got a chance to play the Super Bowl and then won it. Now you're looking at it and saying – the team developed. It wasn't Drew. It was the team. Bingo. The team developed. Tom helped develop the team, but Drew showed you he can win at a high level with this team. Now I might have. He has a bigger upside. He has. I mean, let's face it. He's a more. Ta- he's more talented than Brady. He had more skills, but it was you know all the other stuff that Brady had. I think that might have changed it, Andy, and, and might have forced them to to hold on to Drew. Had had Drew had more success in the playoffs. If we had more time, I'd get into Paul saying Drew had more talent than Tom Brady, but we'll move on. We'll let that just dangle out there in cyberspace for a little bit. I have really no problem with that. You, you want to talk to a guy who would have traded straight up Matthew Stafford for Brady. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Any thoughts or do you care to discuss the, the Flategate stuff this week with Florio, the findings of the NFL? And I feel kind of the same as I always have. I thought it was a ridiculously harsh punishment that was, was unwarranted, but I don't really feel much differently about the operation. I think that kind of stuff, the 11 out of 12 footballs came out immediately and was immediately shot down like a week later. Mm-hmm. And then it took months before ESPN and Mortensen retracted it. Right. Yep. Yep. But I think we all knew that that wasn't true. So now you you found out there was a cover up. Well, I'm not even sure we found out there's a cover up, Andy, your boy claims there was a cover up. <laughs> right. I wouldn't know. I can't read his tweets. He blocks me. So. You can read his website though. God love you. He muted uh, yeah. me, so we're. I think we're it was the... ridiculous. Even if they were guilty as of everything that they said they were guilty of, it didn't warrant a four-game suspension. 
and awful of the. Roger Goodell, uh, you're going to be listening to this podcast after he talks. But should Goodell apologize to Patriots when he speaks to the media today? There's no chance he's apologizing for for covering up. Yes, I I think for 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 an orchestrated cover up, I think the league should apologize for that. Yeah. Do you think that's going to happen? I also. I mean, it doesn't have plausible. To, I apologize sure. or whatever. Like, Paul, you know this. We've heard stories that this got personal and people at the league office were button heads or measuring dongs with people in New England. And like, it became a thing. And <laughs> I think we've, the thing that bothers me the most if I'm the Patriots, and I tweeted this, and Paul, you call it positive trolling uh, when I tweet. Oh, I know, I know how you operate. Yes. Uh, since can, you left here. Yeah. Can we talk about that first round pick that you took away from us that, you know, I know we're not the best drafters and we had a little lull there, but if we had another first round pick, who knows, maybe we hit one of those, like that guy would be playing. I don't even care about the money. I don't care about Brady's games. You can't get that back. Give me another pick. Give me 21 and 22 in this year's draft. We'll call the it only the- thing about that is like the punt, like to me, the punishment was, was harsh, but I don't think anything came out to, to prove that the Patriots were right. No. Right. But I'm punished because they think they did it. Now I've I've said all along the problem with this whole thing is I think they're they're guilty, but I don't think that they, the NFL proved it. Correct. And I think that, that that's why they they buried this information so they could try to make it look like they had the proof. I I remember saying it right when it happened, and I said it through the however long it took to finally come to the four years decision and the co- and all that stuff. People do that to footballs all the time quarterbacks are doing it the league didn't care and then one day they decided they cared and he became the one who was in the crosshairs and he got whacked for it and unjustly you know the the again i think they obviously i think they were doing i think a lot of quarterbacks have admitted they did stuff like this but four game suspension it made Kinda no sense like guys line up in the neutral zone with a finger in the neutral zone when they're, right. when they're and no one ever cares you know until brady throws an interception with the afc championship game on the line and then it gets called back D Ford, baby. These things D-Ford happen. Reference by Paul Perillo out of nowhere for no reason. These things happen. Well, it's just kind of, I agree 100% what Mike said. Like, it happens all the time. And all of a sudden, you pick and choose when you enforce it. Right. And you end up docking a guy four games in a team, a first round pick, first, a couple of picks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. First yeah, and a fourth. Third. First and a third. Oh, whatever. He's probably right. What else is on your list? Anything? I don't know. What did I, I tell you? When are we going to talk about Ryan? Okay, let's talk about Ryan because my son keeps texting me wanting me to come pick him up. He missed his bus. So. <laughs> He's an idiot. Why don't you just, just run to walk. get him? Isn't that yeah. what you do? Yeah. I already um, did six miles today. Ooh. <laughs> nice. yeah, so, so this is my last podcast. I'm going to bet MGM. More of an editing role. Uh, remote, which is always nice. No weekends. It's definitely more for the work-life balance. I uh, see Andy pouting over there. What are you, Tom Brady? Work life. Yeah, balance. seriously. You know what that means? That means he's going to play 36 holes on Saturday and 36 <laughs> holes on Sunday. It's part of this. But we no mean? longer, oh, sorry, I can't play Sundays from September to end of the season. So, yes, that's definitely a plus. It also means, and I have not mentioned this to Ryan once, but I'm going to make a prediction that he has not mentioned to me at all. We have I honestly can say we've never discussed this topic. I'm going to guess there's a little Ryan on the way within a year, year and a half. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> he's like, he's like, really? What, what do you know that I don't know? <laughs> Anybody starts talking work-life balance, it's wife and kids and pulling in certain directions. He bought a house. When was the house? Last year? Yeah. Yeah, last May. Yep. 
you got a new job that allows you to be home more, work from home and not work weekends, there will be a little Ryan in the next nine to 18 months, whatever. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> so what kind of content does this bet MGM provide? Listen, you do a job interview on your own time. Yeah, I was going to say, do you, how do you feel about, is there a television wing to this? I haven't heard anything since he said no weekend. I haven't really heard anything since then. They're they're previewing like every NFL during football season. They'll have uh, a post previewing the Patriots Jets game with. Do they need a video component to that? I can, there's there's a guy, I could throw your name out there. I know a guy. Let me get established first. (laughs) You're doing a website that involves gambling, which is highly involved with college football and pro football, correct? Yeah, every sport. And he doesn't have to work on the weekends. (laughs) Wait, how do you not work weekends? How do you not have like inactives? Oh my God, this guy, like there's no content related to NFL games. Maybe maybe that will come down the road, but for for right now, what I was told is there's no weekends. That's That's how they get you, Andy. Yeah, no idea. But who knows? Maybe maybe the time they roll that around, I'm at the top of the food chain, and I'll just be telling everybody else go work on these. Right. He'll be telling you, Andy. Hey, get me the inactives for that indie game. Nah. No, but it it, it definitely is tough, and I I will miss being down there on. <laughs> the yard. I will miss I won't miss the Patriots Jets game in week three, but I'll miss the the big games against on Sunday Night Football playoff games. Yes, I I will miss some aspects for sure. Other than me, Paul, and Mike, anybody on the beat you'll miss. Everybody, I mean, you know how it is. Like, oh, you pussy! He, no, because he he liked everybody. He's not like me and you. No, but no, a, that's not that's not necessarily true. It's the people you're you're worth. We're one big family. You know, you guys know how it is. Dysfunctional like as hell, but yeah, yes. my family's not that big. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's the four people on this call and Mike Reese. <laughs> but yes, there'll be. I will miss Phil everybody. Perry, Phil, Phil Perry, and Tom Cowan. I like them. Like, I like Phil. <laughs> you haven't made up with Tom yet. Not me? No, Andy. Oh, Andy. Nope. Andy, you want, you want a clear no? You want to announce the, the the podcast will go on. We got a lot of tweets asking about that. Yes, our Monday. Yes. Uh, so, as far as I know, next week I will be doing a podcast. I believe we're going to keep calling it the Off Day Podcast with uh, Chris Scheim, who is a producer on the Midday Show who big into gambling. So I'm sure he'll want to dabble some of your new world into the podcast along the way. We'll have to go to another state. Can't do that in Massachusetts yet. I'm so, I got to think eventually we're going to, I mean, we're taking okay. masks off kids in schools. We're finally That's getting to things that are obvious. So sooner or later, I'll I think that when I see it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I can um, but yeah, Chris Scheim, you, if you want to get a taste of him, you can listen to the uh, midday show, Gresh and Keith on our airwaves, but he, oh, and people remember him. He did some of the positional Correct. stuff last year. He's also a draft Nick. So uh, we'll be doing a bunch of draft stuff. I'm sure we'll get these two guys on to talk drafts because Paul. I can, I can promise you that it'll be better produced than what this is, which is just me slapping together an intro and the actual podcast. <laughs> Pull out yes. some some drops and some sound, and it'll be much better produced. He doesn't have a dog. So there'll be a dog barking in the in the background. <laughs> he can mute that out. But yeah, so we'll we'll keep rolling along. I think similar to what we've been doing the last couple of years, which means. One podcast every week, two sometimes during draft season and during the season, and we'll have our friends and family on, which means Paul and Mike, unless they don't like Shime. Which are, are we seriously the only guests that ever ever come on? No, we we had uh, Megan O'Brien on at one point. We did. Yes. So anybody outside of like a little cocoon? <laughs> I don't believe so. 
I you told, don't play well with others, Andy. <laughs> no, I in, in that light, when Evan Lazar wanted to fight me, I told him to get Evan Lazar on, and he never ended up asking him or getting him on because I would have fought him on the podcast. I don't care. That's I don't it. Like I don't think we've had anybody else on. Have, I don't, I don't think, think you have. want the smoke. I don't want the smoke <laughs> or the fake Twitter followers. Oh, boy. Right, and here right. we go. <laughs> this is why everybody hates us. <laughs> Okay, All I'm right, gonna go uh, pick up my son. All right, thanks All for right. listening, everybody. Uh, we'll you'll be back with Andy and Chris Shive next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We didn't talk a single second about it. And, Good. Ryan, we'll Good miss luck, you, Ryan. And, and Ryan, you, you will be missed. And he but we'll be, play we'll play golf in the summer anyway. But he can also be a guest because he's still staying in like the industry, so that's I can true. have you know have him on. Not, to, not if it's on the weekend. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> middle of the week during the middle of the day probably is when he All actually. Right. Works, so yes. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. Bye. See you, boys.